Hey folks, I'm Pastor Eric Tritton from Gloria Day Lutheran Church in Hudson, Ohio, and this is A Weekly Word, where we are talking about things you didn't learn in Sunday school. And uh, in the month of June, we spent some time talking about the life of Abraham and his family and some things we didn't learn in Sunday school about him. Um, we're going to jump about a thousand years from Abraham to the time of the Judges. So Abraham's in Genesis, you've got to go all the way through Joshua to Judges to get to this next character, a guy by the name of, of Samson. Um, Samson, you can read about him in Judges uh, 13 through 16. And so we'll just start with a little bit of, you know, let's think about this. What do you remember about your Sunday school lessons about Samson? And maybe the answer is nothing, and that's okay. I would encourage you to go back and read Judges 13 through 16 um, and uh, get to know this guy a little bit. Um, but I'm going to just kind of run through and see if these are the things that you remember. Do you remember about his birth? About how the angel of the Lord came to his mother and selected Samson before he was even conceived? And... You know, there's a little bit of a, a back and forth between Samson's mom, who doesn't have a name in the Bible. There is a traditional name for her. And uh, Samson's dad, a guy by the name of Manoah. Um, and, you know, Manoah doesn't seem to believe her. And then the angel of the Lord appears to her again. And this time she is able to get her husband. And anyhow, it's made clear from the very beginning of his life that he is chosen by God for a specific work and he's supposed to be a, a Nazarite, uh, which was like this holy office and he was supposed to behave in certain ways, not drinking alcohol, not cutting his hair, um, not touching dead people and dead things. And there was all this stuff about him. Do you, do you remember that, that stuff? Or uh, how, how, about, how about this, that he was really, really strong? Um, that's part of the story that a, a lot of times I know that as a, as a boy, I really dug the, the combat stuff with him and how strong he was. He killed the lion with his bare hands. Um, it says that he fought the Philistines, uh, the, the enemies of Israel, with a jawbone of an ass, which, you know, as a boy, I, probably just as much about the violence as it was the word ass. Um, but anyhow, um, uh, there's another scene where he is in a city of the Philistines and he's trapped in there and he just goes and he tears the doors of the, the gates of the city off of the hinges and he carries them away. And, you know, it takes them like miles away and, you know, I, I don't even know what they did if they ever went to get him to fix the doors or, or what happened then. Um, or maybe when you think of, of Samson, uh, you think of his hair. Uh, he had this long hair. Uh, he wasn't supposed to cut it. That was something that went back to what God said about him when he was born. Uh, and so the hair thing leads into the story of Samson and a woman by the name of Delilah. And she gets him to tell about the hair and she cuts off his hair and he loses his strength. Um, maybe we're starting to get into some things that uh, we, we might not have learned in Sunday school. After he lost his strength, the Philistines took him and they gouged out his eyes. And they took him to the temple of their God to, uh, to mock him and, and to mock God. Um, and, uh, um, and it was in that time period, his hair was starting to grow back out, that 
he prays to God for strength and God gives him to him and uh, Samson pushes down two pillars in the temple and it knocks the whole thing down and kills everybody in it, including Samson. And as I read the story of Samson as an adult, you know, I, I kind of look at him and I'm like, is this guy a hero? Was he a big meathead? Was he a big hot mess? And, and the answer is kind of, yeah, he, he, he was a little bit of all of that. But one part of Samson's story that, that's usually overlooked in Sunday school, because it's not age appropriate, is how sex was a big problem for Samson. You know, we, we know from tradition, we actually can read this in the scriptures, that you know, as a Jewish hero, uh, Samson should have had a, a Jewish bride, but he, he keeps going after these Philistine women. In Judges 14, Samson sees a Philistine woman, and apparently she's hot. You know, and he tells his parents, get her for me. She's the right one for me. There's no indication that there's been any kind of a conversation or any kind of courtship. It's just he likes the way that, that, that she looks. And you know, so their, their wedding gets arranged, and she betrays him. Um, and his wife of all of about you know, four days is given to another man. And Samson goes away, and uh, it, it tells us that in chapter 15, he goes back to get her. You know, despite the fact that she's betrayed him and he's been, she's been given to a, another husband. And he goes back, he, he talks to his father-in-law-ish person um, and says, you know, I want to go to my wife in her room, is how it's translated in some uh, translations of the Bible. But uh, uh, literally, I want to go to my wife in the bridal chamber. You know, can you figure out what he's thinking about? You know, obviously, uh, he, he's there because he wants to have sex. Um, and then chapter 16, uh, chapter 16 begins with him visiting a prostitute. Um, I, you know, I'm sure, you know, they were probably, he was probably only interested in the conversation, kind of like the guys who used to say that they only read Playboy for the articles, right? Um, then we get to Delilah in chapter 16, a little bit later. Um, she's not the prostitute. You know, this is just, this is a little bit after that. And here's here's this woman uh, who pretends to love Samson because the Philistine rulers have asked her to do this. Uh, they basically tell her, "We'll give you whatever in in order to uh, get this information out of Samson because they want to find the source of Samson's strength." And uh, Three times she keeps bugging him, and finally he uh, he tells her, and she cuts off all of his hair, and he loses his strength. Of course, you know we know that it wasn't actually his hair that was the source of his strength; it, it was the Lord, and, and the hair became kind of a symbol of his his office and his relationship with the Lord, and because of his uh, um, because of his sexual behavior, you know, he, he in a sense loses his office and he loses his, his strength. And there are a couple things I want to grab out of this account. Um, one is that, that we should not underestimate the power of sexual sin uh, to dominate and enslave people. Um, St. Jerome wrote, uh, if Paul feared the lusts of the flesh, are we safe? 
kind of this idea that if this hero of the faith who was really cautious about sexual sin, you know, shouldn't we be cautious too? You know, and I think that as we look at our world today, you know, we can see a lot of fallout from sexual sin, from the sexual revolution of the 60s all the way down to today. Um, I remember as a kid, constantly people talking about, um, you know, slippery slope arguments. But I keep looking and seeing that the slope is getting further down the line, and it seems like maybe the slope was a bit slippery or more slippery than people wanted to admit from the beginning. And I think part of what's happening in our culture today is that we, we keep erasing boundaries, God-given boundaries that were intended for our good. You know, so back in the 60s, maybe we go back to the song lyric, you know, um, you know, love the one you're with type of thing. And to now it's this, this incredibly easy access to all kinds of sexually explicit material on the internet and por pornography. And I, I think that that's having a, a bad effect on people that we can see playing out in our world. And I think that's part of the confusion that we see about gender and, and you know, what am I? Am I male? Am I female? Am I somewhere in between? I, I think it's because of the erasing of these boundaries. And in our culture, more and more, we're, ex we're seeing the acceptance of, of pretty much everything that the Bible calls sin in, in the realm of sexuality. You know, and if this was a problem in the scriptures, and it was a huge problem for the people of Israel, this is what got them sent into captivity. Uh, it had a lot to do with the temptation of the gods that was dealing with sexual worship. And, and Today, we tend to treat it like it's a light thing and it's a small thing, but I think it's a really big deal. And it, it, uh, sexual sin has a real power to bind people uh, in, in shame and in guilt. And, and then we normalize it. And then that doesn't allow people to hear the word of forgiveness that, that Jesus has in store for people for all sin. I also think that it's important to see Samson was a mess. You know, because here's this guy, he's a hero of the faith, but he, he's an absolute train wreck of, of, a, of a believer. And I, I don't say that because I, I don't want you to hear, you know, that's okay, God will forgive you for whatever you do. Um, it's kind of a half-truth. Um, this is not permissiveness. This isn't the dismissal of sin. But I think that it's important to see that Samson was a mess because, well, so often our lives are messy. And yeah, that can happen in, in different ways and to different degrees. And your sin might not be my sin. And, and the struggle that we have might be different in one area than in another. But I think it's important to see people uh, as both saint and sinner when they're in Christ. And the, and the opportunity for a person to be a forgiven sinner because of what Jesus has done. And, and I actually think that this is going to be really important as we deal with some of the fallout that I, I think will come uh, from some of the transgender movement when people at very young ages have surgeries and their bodies are altered. And how do we treat those people? You know, well, is God's love and mercy and forgiveness uh, for for them too, for people who have, have changed their bodies? Obviously, yes. So how, how do we live out this love? 
how do we live this incredibly good news that Christ comes for sinners? I don't think the church has done a good job of sharing that message of Christ comes for sinners in, in the realm of sexual sin. And I think that that's also part of why we are where we are, where we are in our culture. Because there's real tension in acknowledging sin, calling people to repentance, and truly extending Jesus' love and grace to people. And maybe we need a bit more prayer. Maybe we need a bit more guiding from the Spirit. But one way or another, one of the things that we need to really keep in focus is that Christ comes for sinners. So if you want Christ to have come for you, then you need to be a sinner. And if you want Christ to have come for your neighbor, no matter what that neighbor looks like, thinks, whatever, then they need to be sinners too. And a lot of times this life of faith, it really doesn't come down to how good we are, but how gracious our God is. And sometimes we need to sit back and kind of look in awe at people like Samson that God uses to bring forgiveness and salvation to his people. To people like us that God uses. That he showers his love upon and that he shows mercy and forgiveness to as well. So, live in that forgiveness. Share that love and forgiveness wherever God gives you the opportunity. And God's peace be with you.